I'm not going to give you a bunch of disclaimers. If you need disclaimers, go back and watch next or last week's. Because uh, we're talking about legacy and what that really means, and specifically in regards to our finances. And uh, and so really, uh, and I'm going to share some things with you about this today. Uh, but last week I shared with you some thoughts, and one of them was this, is that really what is legacy is that legacy is a future without me that is still being influenced by me. And, uh, and so even after I'm gone, my life can still impact and still impart and still influence. And so can yours. And, uh, see, there's something I forgot. Thank you, Bennett, by the way, I just got your text. See you later, kids. See, it's the one thing I didn't put on my notes this morning, like of all the stuff, see, I have to have a list or I forget. And um, so, but we've been talking or we talked about this last week and I want to dive a little bit deeper um, into it today uh, because really, you know, that there are two, well, really there can be three plans for your life. There can be your plan. There can be God's plan. But how many of you know the devil has a plan too? And I want to walk in God's plan because uh, what I have found is that God's a lot smarter than me. And uh, he knows things that I don't know and sees things that I don't see. And I, I, I've tried the devil's way and that didn't really work either. And, uh, and so, uh, but when we're talking about leaving a legacy, what it is, is thinking about my life with the end in mind. Is I don't want to just live for today. I actually want to live with the end of my life in mind, thinking about the decisions that I make today, leave the impression that I will leave one day. And if I'm mindful of it, I'll leave the legacy that I want, not regretting that I didn't leave a better one. And so that's what we're talking about in this. And so last week I shared with you out of Matthew 6, you know, Jesus talks about that you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to serve one uh, and hate the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and not to the other. And so really it talks about that. And really you would think the scriptures would say is you can't serve Satan and God. But how many of you know that's not what the scripture said? It says you can't serve money and God. You'll serve one or the other. And what happens is when we serve money, we serve it. When we serve God, our money serves us. And so it's important that we understand these things. And I shared with you last week this is that there's actually connection between our spiritual life and our financial life. And it's true. There is a connection to it. Why? Because what you love, you invest in. What's important to you, you invest in. And so if your spiritual life, now I will say this is, well, just, I said it last week, is that your spiritual um, maturity is not determined by your giving. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that spiritually mature people give. It doesn't equate to your level but it does represent a part of your life that the Bible speaks to a lot. And so if, if you're wondering, I shared this last week as well, is that you can always tell who you're serving by what you're seeking. What you're pursuing. Where's your thoughts? Where's, where's, your, where's your energy? Where's your focus? What's driving you? That's what you're seeking. And so we can really approach the world, our, our life, in really two different ways. And today, that's what these ladders represent. There's two different approaches. You know, you can call it climbing the ladder. You can call it all kinds of things. Uh, you know, the ladder of success. And so that's what this one over here represents. I'm going to kick this out, lest it fall on me. A little bit of safety there. Because if I happen to jump on that thing, I do not want it falling. And so... We have the ladder of success right here, right? Let's see if I can do this. It's crooked. I'm sorry if you have OCD. I can't see it, so it's okay. So we have the ladder of success, and this represents the world that, and really the approach that the world gives us. And so we come and we're like, hey, I want to be successful. I want my life to count. I want it to matter. And I, you know, I'd like to enjoy some things along the way. And so we can approach life this way and, and really according to the world and the world system. And so the first step, if you will, is this, is that we don't have much money and we start out and we say, hey, I just, I don't need a lot. I just need a little bit. I just need to take care of my needs. I just need my bills paid. 
Like I don't need a big house and I don't need this. And if I just had a little bit, I would be fine. But how many of you know that as you get a little bit, you want a little bit more? And what was good five years ago is no longer good. And so what happens is you begin to pursue, because what started out is just, hey, I need just some basic satisfaction. Like my basic needs. Like God, if I just had a car that didn't break down every week. Like that's a, like that's a good place to start. I, I want a reliable car. I want a house that things don't break down. But what happens is we, we get to the satisfaction level, we get our needs met, but then we start pursuing things because we have wants and desires and, and things that will begin to motivate us and push us outside of what God wants for us. And, and all of a sudden that our, uh, our, our, our vision a little bit begins to change. And how many of you know that money talks? It's got a voice and it's got some things it's going to say to us. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth will bring true happiness. Now, there was some research done here recently that they polled, I forgot how many people it was. It was a pretty good number of people and said, how much more money would you need to be happy, to be content? And it didn't matter the level of income. Everybody said double. If I just had twice as much as I have right now, I'd be good. And the Bible actually speaks to this. Those who love money will never have enough. But what happens is, is that we begin to pursue things the world's way. We begin to pursue after things. And so we get our basic needs met. And then all of a sudden we start realizing some things like, man, Seems like the more money I make, people treat me a little better. People ask me different questions. And, and, and so it becomes this. It becomes a status symbol. Oh, I moved into that neighborhood. And oh, I got that car. And oh, I got that purse or that whatever. And I realize that when I dress a certain way that people treat me a little different. I get treated a little better. I kind of like that. And so, and this is part of the world system. I mean, you know, we live in the the culture of 15 minutes of fame. Oh, if I just look the part, if I just pursue these things, then I'll be happy. And ultimately, when we're talking about success and what people really want, it's not dollars, it's happiness. But yet we equate more money to more happiness. And so even as we begin to walk up this ladder and we get, hey, I got my needs met. And then, hey, you know, people really respect me and they think something about me and people treat me better. But we still get here and we wonder, why don't I feel that like at the end of the day when I lay down, I'm still not happy. I've got more stuff and I'm climbing the ladder to get to here. But why do I not feel any different than I did really down here in my heart? I got more here, but I'm empty here. So what gives? I thought this was the answer. I thought this was going to really satisfy my soul. And we end up finding out that the status and all of the things don't actually amount to much. Just more problems. People find out I got money and now they want to borrow it. They always come into me. Hey, could you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Oh man, you that's so nice. I love what you got. And, and, and it starts, and what happens is that we begin to believe like I've done this, right? And, and, and so we, and really this is, and really the big trap here is comparison. Is that we were fine until we started looking around. Oh, they got what? I like my car yesterday until they got that one. Time for an upgrade. Dave Ramsey is famous for making the quote that we buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't even like. If we don't really want it and we don't really like them, then why are we buying it? We want people to look at us a certain way and think of us a certain way. This is the world system. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. I know some people misquote the Bible and it says that, you know, money is the root of all evil. That's not even what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money 
is the root of all evil. Go read your Bible. That's what it says. Because I find it interesting that many people in the scriptures had abundance. And God provided it. And, and they're not saying that we're going to be filthy rich. That's not the goal. But we ought to be prosperous. We ought to be blessed. Why? Because the Bible says that God would command a blessing when I obey Him. And so the world is trying. And really this is the, this is the world's attempt to get us to what God has promised us without God. That's what the world system always does. It promises you everything that God says he'll give you, except just remove God from the equation. That's the world system in a nutshell. And so this last one on this ladder is security. Like, oh, I got my needs met. I got my, I got my status set up. I got the friends I want. Because, you know, when I get some money, I'm going to get some better friends. You ain't never said that, but you thought it. Man, if I just had a little bit more stuff. I get that boat, I start hanging out with people that have boats. <laughs> we'll be that lake crew, hanging out on the lake, living fancy. And then you're like, man, my boat is kind of small, I need a bigger boat. <laughs> One thing leads to another, leads to another. But then we start thinking like, oh man, I can't just have my toys. You know, there used to be a shirt that he said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. But, you know, we get, we get past these layers of things. So you got my needs want. I got my wants. Or I got my needs taken care of. I got my wants taken care of. Oh, I got a plan for the future. Oh, no, I can't, I can't do this. I, I want to retire one day. I'm not opposed to retiring. I'm not opposed to having savings. The Bible actually says that a wise man has savings. A wise man. If you want to be foolish, spend everything you make. Just don't be mad when somebody calls you a fool. That's what the Bible says. But security. Because what can happen is we can pursue finances just so that we can insulate ourselves from problems. Oh, if I had more money, if I had more resources, car breaks down, that ain't no problem, I write that check. Here you go, Mr. Mechanic, fix my car. No problem. No stress. Because, see, that's what we think. If we have some more money, we just won't stress anymore. I've actually seen it to be the opposite. Is that when somebody gets money, they're more stressed out because they're afraid of losing it. And stress begins to set in. And all of a sudden, fear begins to set in. It's not just stress. It's fear. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if my 401k drops to nothing? Well, it depends. How have you lived? How have you approached life? Because if this was your pursuit was to get here and say, oh, God's, God's got me. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. What choices have you made? Or have you got you? Because what this means is I have figured this out. And I have gotten me here. And I have produced this. And so now I can be successful. But what happens is, is that this is all just a facade. This is a house of cards. Because we pursue this the wrong way. And what I believe can actually happen is that we can get here. I ain't climbing all the way to the top of this thing. But we can get here. But how terrible would it be to get here and realize that I've actually climbed the wrong ladder? Get to the end of my life and say, I've wasted my life. I didn't leave the legacy that I actually wanted to. I never really thought about it. Or maybe I just looked at it wrong. See, because there is another ladder to climb. This is God's way, the biblical way. Because here's the thing, and this is one of my favorite scriptures when I start talking about the blessings of the Lord. Because when you come over here and you get to here, there's a lot of regrets along the way. There's, there's sacrifices, like unnecessary and undue sacrifices that were made to get here. 
Oh, well, I lost a marriage along the way, and I lost a kid along the way, and I missed out on these moments along the way, and there's a lot of regret, but hey, I got to success. But you know, the Bible says the blessings of the Lord come, and He adds no sorrow with it. That means I don't have to lose everything to get here. I don't have to forfeit my soul and who I am and my character and my calling. Is that God actually has another way. So we're going to talk about this one for a few minutes. And yes, I'm intentional. This ladder looks better than that ladder. That was on purpose. This one's nice and shiny and new. This one's old and beat up. This is God's plan. God's method is generosity. So see what the world calls success. God does not look at it that way. Again, he who dies with the most toys still dies. I said it last week. I've never performed a funeral that I saw a a U-Haul hooked to the back of a, of a hearse or a casket. Your stuff ain't going with you. Like, Oh, I want to leave it to my kids. That's good. That's biblical. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So God ain't asking for it. All your stuff. That's not what I'm, that's not even what I'm trying to communicate. But what I am wanting to say is that, that God has a different way for us to view life in which we look. And, and so, you know, let me say it this way is that this ladder can increase your standard of living. And that's a lot of times what people are after. This ladder, though, increases your standard of giving. Think about that. Now, I can tell you, if you live on this ladder, it also increases your standard of living. That's not the reason that I give. It's not the motive that I give. We need to have the right motive in our giving. But the Bible's pretty clear. If you're faithful with what you have, God will bring more into you. Why? Because you're faithful. But here's what I know. If I'm not faithful with what I have, I won't be faithful with more. And God is too much of a good father to ruin me. If I want to kick into youth pastor mode, I'm going to say it like this. Is God will not allow you to be a spoiled brat. He will not ruin you with his blessing. And if he gives it to you too early and your heart's not ready for it, it will ruin you and you will forsake him. The Bible's full of examples of this. People denied the faith. Why? Because they loved the things of this world more than they did the treasures of heaven. And so we want to look at a few things here. I'm going to have to read this off the screen. I forgot to put these scriptures in my notes. But here you go. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, it says this. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. It says they were being tested by many troubles and they were very poor, but they also were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed with rich generosity. Leave that up there for a second. Go back real quick. Sorry. They're in a tough spot. I, mean, I don't know how poor you got to be in the Bible to say you're very poor, but that's what it says. But it says, but they were also filled with abundant joy. Let me ask you a question. How much joy do you have today? Regardless of your bank account. You may have a lot of money and be miserable. Money does not equate to true, genuine happiness. The Bible says it right there. They were pressed. They they were troubled. They were poor. But yet they had abundant joy. And their response to trouble was generosity. Interesting thought. Let's go on. It says, so this is Paul, right? He says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. Nobody was manipulating them. I said this last week. If You know, I'm not giving any disclaimers, but if you think I'm after your money, keep your money. I'm actually in a desire for me is to see you walk in the blessings of the Lord. And I'm giving you the roadmap, literally the roadmap on how the blessing of the Lord comes. Motive matters always with the Lord. But here it says that they gave of their own free will. I told you last week, if you give emotionally, you'll get manipulated. 
The Bible says, let each one determine in his heart, make up his own mind and say, nope, this is who I want to be. This is important. So in order to do anything great, we got to take a step. And so on this generosity ladder, where do you start? You got to give something. Something. Anything. It doesn't make you necessarily matter the amount. It's about the heart in which you give it. You just got to start somewhere. I heard somebody, I was watching this thing, or I watched this clip this week, and it was funny, and this guy was like, you just got to go to the gym. Now, I'm not a gym rat, let me just, me, full disclosure here, but it was funny. He said, you just got to go. He said, even if you don't work out, go sit in the sauna, make it look like you're sweating, and you know, all this stuff, and leave, and he's like, but this is what I know, if you keep going to the gym, eventually you're going to work out. You got to start where you are. Now, just like anything that you do for the first time, you're going to have fears, you're going to have doubts. That's kind of to be expected. Name anything that you've ever done for the first time that you weren't a little, like, tepid about. You're a little reserved, like, I don't know about this. This is a little... Let me, let me say it another way. You have fears and doubts. Could that be a tactic of the enemy to keep you from the blessings of the Lord? That little voice that talks to you? See, it could be a tactic of the enemy to actually keep you in bondage. Because remember, you're either going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve money. It didn't say you'll serve the devil. Matthew 6 doesn't say that. See, it's always going to take faith to trust God. Always. The Bible says, Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's going to require faith to take a step. So I got to start giving. Well, what? Make up your own mind. That's what the Bible says. You determine this. Make, make up your own mind. Now, I know that people have taken this concept and have taken it beyond the limits of what Scripture will support. I fully acknowledge that. But have you ever heard the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? Just because somebody has taken a truth and maybe taken it beyond the limits of Scripture, does that mean that the truth has changed? Not at all. Why? The truth is fixed. It's firm. God says, I've established my word forever. And so we start here. We read this verse last week, 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. It says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. You know that you can actually sow into your future. We're going to look at this next week. I'm going to show you some scriptures about this. What the Bible says is that I can either, and again, I can store up my treasure on earth, Matthew 6, or I can store up my treasure in heaven. So this is Matthew 6 as an illustration. We talked about that last week. And the, the wisdom of the Bible, you're like, oh, well, I don't have anything. Sure you do. I don't have time to preach on this, but go read about it. Go read about the widow with the oil that came to Elijah and said, hey, I got a problem. And I need you to help me with it. And, what, and his question to her was, what do you have in your house? Let me say it another way. What you holding on to? Because what you're holding on to is the key to unlock what God has for you. And by the way, her thing was a debt that she had to pay. The prophet never did one thing. He gave her instructions. She came to him with a problem. And he's like, hey, my problem. What you got? And he said, well, that's enough. Go and do this. She took a step of faith and went and got a bunch of jars. And she filled them up. And he goes, go pay your debts. I left a lot out. Go read the story. True story. So we start out just say, hey, I'm just going to make, I'm going to make the determination. I'm going to give by faith. Can't believe I'm doing this. This is ridiculous. Can't believe pastor talked me into this. This is crazy. What am I thinking? Remember the warning from Jesus last week. 
was beware and guard yourself against all kinds of greed. How do you keep greed out of your heart? You got to keep money in the right place. You got to remind money that I don't serve you, you serve me. So you got to start somewhere. Now let me say this. What I'm telling you is not law. In other words, it's not a have to or else God's going to get me. That's the way my dad was raised. My dad was raised that he could do anything he wanted. As long as he tithed, he'd, he'd go to heaven. But boy, you don't tithe. Woo, you're going to hell. My dad was raised like that. So my dad had to learn. Well, let me say this. He had to unlearn some things to understand biblical prosperity. Because whether I give or I don't give does not change God. But whether I give or I don't give, it does change me. It does change my experience. So I start out with an initial gift. and So then I'm going to get a little committed. And I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to give a percentage. My goal every year is to give more of a percentage than I did the year before. And I want to increase it every year. It's not necessarily the dollar amount because some years I've made more money and some years I've made less and different things. But the percentage... I want to increase. And so you may say, man, I, I don't know where to start. What you got? Start somewhere. But the difference between this down here and this here is consistency. Hey, I'm going to put some, some consecutive actions at work here. And I'm going to take a step and I'm going to take a step and I'm going to take a step and I'm going to take a step. And as I take those steps, God's going to help me. God's going to teach me some, I know you're going to love this word, some discipline. You got a budget. You're like, ooh, that's a dirty word. I don't like that. What it causes is it says it's a priority to you. I think you prioritize your rent, your house payment, your car payment. I, I, I know you prioritize your entertainment. Whether you budget for it or not, budget is actually a biblical term. It's God's idea. Let me say it this way, is that we need to learn to live within our means. We got to stop pursuing some things that don't satisfy us. The other day I was listening to the radio and they had this little questionnaire. They have these ridiculous questions. Every day, and they're like the impossible question of the day. And it was like, people spend $120 a month on this. What is it? Here's the thought that came to my mind. Y'all know my love of Dr. Pepper, so. You know where it's going. I'm like, sodas. It wasn't the answer, but it was, I thought. Man, if you take, just think about this. If you took every cup of coffee and every drink that you buy, and you add it up for one month. Let's just do easy math. Say you spend $3 a day on beverages. There's 30 days in a month. That's $150. Oh, wait. Oh, $3. Yeah. Sorry. $5 a day. Five. Sorry. Five bucks. Not three. Sorry. I got some other fellow mathematicians over here. I can't believe I got that wrong. I was thinking five and I said three. Five bucks a day. Because you go to Starbucks, you're going to spend at least five bucks. Some of y'all are like, I ain't never going to that place. Just add up. Look, you go to lunch and you get a soft drink, it's two fifty-three bucks. At lunch. So don't be like, well, I don't drink that coffee. You drinking something though. You can go drink your bottles of water and add it up. Like, oh, I don't be drinking all that nasty stuff. I ain't putting that in my body. Add it up. You do the math over a month. Another little dirty word. Some, some, I, I think we need to have the discipline of some delayed gratification. I had a friend one time say it this way. Sometimes you just got to exercise your no muscle. And that ain't with everybody else. Sometimes I need to tell my body, no. You've had enough Dr. Pepper today. Go get you a bottle of water. Why? Because I need to remind myself that I'm in charge, not my flesh. It 
See, delayed gratification is making a sacrifice now for something better later. Proverbs 21, 26 says this, is that some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Why would the godly love to give? Because it's the nature of God. And if I've been recreated, a new creation in his image and likeness, I'm going to be like him. See, I believe it's one thing just to give when we feel like it and we, we, we're impressed by it or, or something tugs at our heartstrings and we do it randomly. I think something else happens that when we decide that giving is part of who I am, not just something that I do. I think there's a shift that happens. No, this is not just what I do every now and then. No, this is who I am. I am a generous person. This is part of my identity. It's part of, of my calling. Is that I am a generous person. Why? Because there's ownership in that. If I'm just like, well, I'll give when the Lord leads. Are you listening? I mean, what do you want the Lord to do? Wreck your car and be like, I'm going to need you to help that person. But sometimes, I mean, somewhat jokingly, but somewhat seriously. Like, oh, the Lord leads me. Okay, but that requires us to listen and obey. And I think our ears sometimes and our obedience is pretty low. Why? Because I know the heart and the nature and the character of God. And God is calling us to something better. Look, I know I just botched the math a moment ago. Don't hold that against me. But I have seen that God can do more with me giving than I can do with me keeping everything. Amen. Let me give you another uh, visual for you. When you're holding your money like this, you're holding on to your money. But you know what else is not happening? There's nothing else getting in either. Why? Because you got a death grip. And those presidents are in there crying. <laughs> Let go. You're squeezing me too tight. And you just got this death grip just squeezing. So we got the initial gift. We got to start somewhere. We got to make a commitment to be consistent. So if I, if I start here and I come here and I just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to start at 1%. And next year I'm going to make it 2%. And next year I'm going to make it 3%. And a couple of years after that I'm going to make it 5%. Eventually you're going to make it to here. You don't have to go from not even on this board to here. But you got to start somewhere. This is the biblical standard. You're like, what does tithe mean? Glad you asked. It means 10%. You're like, was well, that on the gross or the net? I'm going to leave that between you and Jesus. This is the biblical standard. You're like, are you kidding me? 10% of my income? How dare you ask me for that? I didn't. The word of God says, I'm calling you into a relationship and a partnership with me. Because God has a plan for the partnership. He really does. We looked at this verse, but I'm going to read it again. Malachi 3, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And God says, if you do. So that's a conditional word. If you do. The Lord says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. So what happens if you have too much? You give it. God says, look, if you'll give, I'm going to open up what my hand of blessing over your life. I'm going to give you favor in moments that you could have never gotten. You're going to get in some rooms with some people in some positions going, how did I get here? Because you honored the Lord. And because God did exactly what he said he would do. He says, if you do this, I'm going to open the windows. I'll pour a blessing that you won't be able to receive it. He says, try me and put me to the test. I double dog dare you. 
See if I will not do what I said. Now I know some of you in here might be like, oh pastor, but tithing's under the Old Testament. Okay, well let's just do a little litmus test here. The Ten Commandments say, do not murder. What did Jesus say about murder? He says, if you've hated in your heart, you've committed murder. The Old Testament says, do not commit adultery. Don't be running around on your spouse. What did Jesus say? Matthew 5, if a man looks with a woman with lust in his heart, he has committed adultery with her. So grace does not lower the bar. Grace actually raises the bar. So if tithing is acceptable under the Old Testament, when I couldn't be led by God and I couldn't hear his voice and I couldn't experience his blessing and his His uh, presence in my life, the bar doesn't drop because I'm saved. No, it's actually at minimal maintained. Some people want to say, well, I'm a grace giver. That's great because you're, you should be at the next step then. You shouldn't be hanging out down here going, oh, I'm just given by grace. We all give by the grace of God because he gives us everything that we have. And the Bible says he richly gives us all things for our enjoyment. God doesn't mind us having nice stuff, enjoying things. He actually delights in it. The Bible says in Psalms that he delights when we prosper. Who wants broke kids? Neither does our Heavenly Father. So I really thought about doing this, but I'm going to hold off because it's... But I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning. Because some of you right now are like, I don't like this message. I don't like this. But some of you are actually convicted, and that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's not my words. I'm presenting you with the word of God. But some of you, I would actually challenge and say it's time. It's time. Not because I want something from you, but I really do want something for you. And I can tell you in my own life, and I won't go into the details. I live way beyond my means. Way beyond. And it's not because I'm smart and it's not because I work hard. Although I do work hard. But God has brought blessings into my life that I could have never manufactured on my own. Ever. Not in a thousand years. Like there's no natural explanation for it. But it's not because I'm a pastor and it's not because God loves me exceptionally somehow. It's because I have made a decision. This is the ladder that I'm going to climb. And no demon in hell is going to kick me off of it. And no attack of the enemy is going to pull me off this ladder. This is the ladder that I'll live on. Why? Because I've seen God be faithful. And I don't care what trial comes. Nope, I know where I'm at. And I'm over here. And so when my 401k drops, you know what? The Bible tells me I can stand upon my generosity. Father, I thank you that Malachi says that you're going to rebuke the devourer for my sake. So devil, you got to take your hands off my stuff. You got to take your hands off my kids. Why? Because I'm in covenant with God. And if you pick with me, you're picking with him. I'm going to get a little bit of boldness. Why? Because I put my, my faith into action. And so father, I thank you. I got this bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Devil, I thank you that what you intended to rob for me and steal for me, God's going to turn around to be my, for my good. So God, I don't know how we're going to pay this thing. I don't know how we're going to take care of it. But this is what I know. I've been faithful and I've been sowing. And, I, and the Bible is very clear that when I sow, I should expect that I would reap. So right now I need to reap because I got a bill. So God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Because here's what I know. We pray those prayers like, God, I need you to do something for me. God's going to ask you to do something. Then it's an obedience factor. This isn't giving to get. If that's what you hear, you're, you're mishearing what I'm saying. 
What I am telling you is that to live with this mentality. Because see, some of you would actually say, oh, but, but pastor, I can't, I can't afford to give. I could, I could never tithe. That's impossible for me. You don't, you don't know my situation. I may not know your specific situation, but I do know my circumstances and where I have been and what I have walked through with the Lord. And I've seen God bring blessing into my life. See, here's the thing is that the tithe is actually God's plan of provision for the church and for us. Malachi 3 Bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. In other words, the needs of the church, which is what? To be able to facilitate ministry to others. Let me say it this way. Right now, you're the beneficiary of somebody else's generosity. Because this specific part of our building has been paid for for a long time. Somebody else paid for this building. And we get to enjoy it every week. And so what happens many times is that we say things like, oh, well, I, you know, I could never, I, I could never do that. Okay, well, and, and, and let me just add this in because it's important. The tithe is not the leftovers. That's a tip. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 is that you bring the first and the best to the Lord. Why? It's a step of faith. Now, again, this is not law. You're, if you actually made a budget, it may say you can't do this. And some of you are like, thank Jesus. I'm glad. You might actually have to make some sacrifices to move from here or from here to here. I've cut things out of my life so that I could stay here. Things that I wanted. Every year at the end of the year... We get our giving statements. And I have to be careful because on one hand, I'm like, man, look what we were able to do. And that fast the thought comes, you know what you could have done with that money? Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm just being real with you. Dang. Jesus, you sure about this? He's probably saying, I am, are you? Because I don't have to keep blessing you. If you want it to stop, just stop. It's not law. It's not a requirement. It's not a have to. We get to do this. The problem is, is that what happens is that we can't do this because we prioritize something else first. Let me say another. We've honored something else first. We've honored the mortgage first. We've honored the car payment first. We've honored the savings first. We've honored the vacation first. I know it's super quiet in here. Does anybody else feel the tension in this room right now? Is it just me? Everybody's like, oh man. Thought we were talking about Thanksgiving today. (laughs) The wrong message for today, Pastor. No, Philippians 4, 7 through 19 says this. Says, I don't say this. He's talking about an offering because I want something from you, because I want a gift from you. He says, I rather, I want you to receive the reward of your kindness, of your generosity. He says, At the moment, I have all that I need and more. He says, I'm generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me. It says, They are sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which he has given to you in Christ Jesus. So Paul said, hey, I actually want you to experience something better. So there's another step, though, even beyond this. Now, I will say this. This is the standard for all believers. But there is another step. This one's optional. Completely, 100% optional. Totally up to you. And let me say this. There are different blessings attached to every one of these. Like, well, I don't believe that. Faithful with what you have, God will make you ruler over more. So, 
if I got a little bit, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, it the greater the investment, the greater the return, right? Y'all going to love this one. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second. You're like, I was really uncomfortable and then you did that. This one here is giving led by the Spirit of God on top of this. So let me, let, me, let me break it down real clear for you. When I do this, and like we did a couple weeks ago, which we were able to be a tremendous blessing, and so thank you for sowing when we had Egan Falk here. That actually falls under this category. We support our missionaries out of here. Now the church ties. We as a church operate with this principle. So say it this way. The church ties off of your tithe, off of my tithe. We give 10%. We support 12, 13 different ministries. Locally, nationally, internationally. That all happens here. That's our regular commitments. We're committed every month. And we don't miss it. The church will go without something before I don't do what we say we're going to do. If I tell a missionary we're going to send you X number of dollars, we're going to do it. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And if we don't have the money, I will make a phone call and say, hey, we cannot do that. But if we have the ability, we will always sow. Why? Because I believe in the principles, not only in my own life. Because as a believer, I tithe. As a church, we tithe. But above and over and above. Above and beyond, like going the extra mile. That's, that's this here. And there's something different about this one. There really is something different about it. Why? Because it's being led by the Spirit of God. It's learning to pay attention and hear the voice of God. And God say, I remember one time, and well, I won't give you all the details, but there was a moment that I remember as a teenager. I was there in the kitchen, and my dad came in kind of in a hurry, and he told my mom, he said, hey, get me the address for this such and such. The Lord told me to give some money. And he told me later that if he didn't hurry up and do it, he would have talked himself out of it. He said, so I had to, I had to do it. The Lord put it on my heart. And I was like, oh, golly. Now, he wanted to do it, but he knew, if, like, oh, I better sleep on this. Now, there's wisdom in that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But sometimes the Lord might ask you to do something that makes your head go tilt. Like, mm, that ain't the Lord. See, over here, this ladder is all about return on your investment. If you've got stocks or investments, it's all that. What's my percentage? Over here, it's a different kind of return. It's an eternal return on your investment. One dies with you. One goes ahead of you. There's a big difference. And so we have this extravagant part. Now, I also know that, you know, and in a crowd like this, well, I I know somebody that stole all the money from the church. I I don't trust people at the church. It's my money. And I heard this, this pastor over here did this. Okay. You're taking an anomaly to apply it to your obedience. Because there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of faithful men and women who serve the Lord week in and week out. And they are never touching the money or doing something wrong with it. And really what you're actually doing is you're taking a natural argument to make a spiritual point. That will not work. Because tithing is not natural, it's spiritual. And so even when you give, you're not actually giving your money to me or this church. Not according to the scripture. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews that here on earth, men receive the tithe, but Jesus himself receives them in heaven. You're like, that's in the Bible? It's in the book of Hebrews. It's actually in the scriptures. So let me say it another way. Don't be a cynic. 
mean, there are bad doctors. Do you still go to the doctor? There's bad bankers. You ever heard of Bernie Madoff? Oh, he made off all right. Yeah, he did. And he's in jail. Does that mean you should stop investing? Pull everything out of your investment accounts? People are people and people do stupid stuff. He's like, well, why would somebody do that? Because they have no fear of the Lord. I mean, I, this is no joke. When I was in Arkansas, I found out about a church secretary who had swindled the church out of $120,000 over the course of about 8 or 10 years. Just a little bit every week. Just, that's a lot of little bits, but you know. hundred and twenty grand, and nobody knew. And I'm thinking like, how'd nobody know? I don't know. Don't allow what you hear to change your attitude towards giving. Because it's still a spiritual principle. Psalms 112 verse 1 says this. It says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Verse 4 and 5 says, light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous and compassionate and righteous. Good things come to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Verse 9 says that they will share freely and give generously to those in need. It says their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's a legacy. It says and they will have influence and honor. See, we need to make the determination and make the decision to give to something that will outlive me. That will outgive you because here's the thing. I can go and feed somebody a meal. And we got lots of people around town. You can go, hey, come to lunch with me. Let me buy your lunch. Guess what you did? You filled their belly for a meal. When I sow my, king, my, my money into the kingdom of God, it impacts people. And those people go and impact people with the gospel. And so one soul touches another soul. And so it's a multiplied, you know, like the concept of compound interest. Apply that to the spiritual. It has multiplied effect. Not only does it affect others, but the Bible says that it also will come back to affect us. There's a a ripple effect to this. Like, well, pastor, I want to do all this stuff. That sounds amazing. And I would love to be able to get to there. But man, I'm just not there. Use this as an opportunity for your faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 12 says, For God is the one who provides seed to the sower, seed to the farmer, and then bread to eat. If you ain't got nothing to sow, ask the Lord. God, is there something I need to get rid of? The Lord may prime. Oh man, I forgot. I had that sitting over in that corner of the garage. It's all covered up. I could sell that and sow that. Why? Because God will give seed to the sower, not to the one who consumes it. He'll give seed to the farmer and bread. He says in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. It says you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And then uh, when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So these two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem would be met. And then also a joyful expression of thanks to God. See, when we trust God with our first, he will touch and transform all the rest. The Bible actually says the tithe actually redeems all of the money. So it's an obedience thing. If we're going to give, it's just a matter of saying, okay, God, I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to understand it. How does this work? I don't know. But I don't have to understand how my car works to get in it and turn it on and use it. So I, I want to share something in the next, just in the next couple moments with you. I'm going to keep this brief. Because there are people, now as I said, this is really our standard for all of us. And all I'm asking you to do is not to do what I say. What I'm asking you to do is to pray and ask the Lord, is what he's saying true? Because if it's true, I want to walk in truth. But some of you can't wait for this message to get over. There are some of you who love this message. And it stirs up something on the inside of you. 
It's because you actually have a calling to this. Like some people are like, oh, pastor's talking on giving. I ain't coming for the next month. That's terrible. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting all year. It's about time. There's a calling. We have people with gifts of hospitality and we don't think anything about them greeting you at the door. But the Bible actually says that there's a gift or a grace of generosity. There's a calling that God will bring resources into your life to advance the kingdom. That's where, that's where you live right there. Now, anybody can do this, but some people have a call. And, and so I want to introduce something to you that just in these next few moments that we're, we're working on developing and, and we're going to be kind of uh, introducing to you probably after the first of the year. But we have a lot of teams that serve here. We have people that serve in kids and people that serve in, uh, you know, youth and the worship team and different areas of the church and volunteer and do these types of things. And so we make room for every gift in the church except for the people that live up there. And so I actually want to, to start something new. And as I said, this will be first of the year. And I'm going to call it our legacy team. Because I have a lot of things that are in my heart that we don't have the resources for. But I've also not told you about them. Like the other day I sat down with some with Bennett and we sat down in about 15 minutes. I came up with $300,000 worth of stuff. That it's like we could do these different things with. Like I'll give you an example. I have no idea what this costs. I'm going to estimate it $75,000. I want a building that parallels our office building in the back. So that we can use for outreach, so that we can use during storms, so that we can use as a staging area when we do different things, that we have space on campus to utilize for ministry. Like today, right? I mean, this is just a selfish thing, but today we're about to transform this sanctuary. We're going to have a bunch of tables and chairs set up. We could use that space for that. We could use that space if, if a hurricane hits. We served a quarter of a million meals plus off of this property, off that back driveway. And everything was stacked up in the foyer. What if we had a place in the back that we could just have a forklift and have stuff ready and available? But see, there's a gap. There's a vision gap here. I've got vision for something that we don't have the resources for. And you're like, well, I Not all of you are stirred by that, but some of you are. Some of you are. And because, why? Because God is, is putting this in your house or putting it in your heart. And so it's stirring you up. So we're, we're putting these things together and, and, and trying to develop. And part of it is, is I'm going to communicate with you on a regular basis. Here are the things beyond just what we budgeted for. Here's the, the regular things that we're a part of. And hey, here's a special opportunity. We have a missionary that needs a vehicle. Hey, we'll just buy that car. $30,000, checks in the mail. And you're like, oh my gosh, that, that freaks me out. What if I told you that God would give you $50,000, but he is going to ask you for 30 of it? Like he would never. That's crazy. It's extravagant, yes. Let me remind you, 50 minus 30 is What? So I get to meet the, meet the need of a missionary, but yet God's still going to bless me. I don't give to get. That is not my motive. But there are some of you that God has put it in your heart. And I'm actually hindering you from actually stepping into your calling because I'm not communicating to you. And God would give you an idea, give you favor in a moment. Like, oh my gosh, this would work and that would work. And God could give you, some of you are, are walking a certain path of life and then all of a sudden God gives you an idea and you're like, I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to start this business. I need to invent this or I need to do that. And God will give you the idea. Like God would never do those things. Absolutely he would. He's done it time and time and time again. And so God wants to, to stir these things up and I believe this is part of... What we can do. And so, you know, I believe that vision doesn't solely come from me. I mean, yes, I'm the pastor of our church. 
So primarily, yes, but there's also others on our leadership. And as we pray and we're looking at things, we're like, man, I believe that's the Lord. I believe the Lord's dropped that in our heart to do that and to move in that direction. And as God gives us the vision, I believe God gives you the provision. The word provision actually literally means for vision. That's what it stands for. If you go and read the language. And so some of you, you're like, that ain't me. It's probably not you then. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just being honest. But some of you are like, man, that sounds amazing. Because some of you actually need places to apply your faith and say, God, if you blessed me, I could do that. And I would do that. I could step out into that area and you can watch God bless and watch God increase. I mean, this right here is my family story. So I'm not telling you theory. I've watched my parents walk this out over the course of my life. Because my parents actually live right there. And I've lived here and I've dabbled here. But I want to be here. Like regularly. That God says, hey, I'm going to put something in your hands. And I'm going to bless you and I'm going to provide for you. See, it's a privilege to be on this ladder. Because God can say, hey, go figure it out by yourself. But yet he invites us and says, hey, I've got a better system. This one over here ain't great. It's broke. But I got a better system. I got a better way for you to walk. And it'll provide for you and it'll add no sorrow with it. It'll be a blessing to you. It'll be a blessing to other people that you can leave a legacy beyond yourself. So if you're interested in this legacy thing, you're like, hey, that's something I'd like to find out more about. You ain't committing to it. You can come talk to me. You can talk to Kyle. You can talk to Bennett, wherever Bennett is. I don't know if he's in here. Right back there with kids or something. But talk to one of us and let us know. And just say, hey, I'd be curious to know. I'd, I'd like to find out more about that. So if you don't know who Kyle is, he's over here. He's our business administrator. Pick your hand up. There you go. But talk to one of us and then we'll communicate to you. Like I said, it'll probably be sometime after the first of the year. But there's specific things and specific lanes that, that we want to communicate to you about. And again, it's not a have to. It's just, man, I, I feel like that might be something the Lord's leading me to do. Because I believe that God wants to use all of us to impact people. And that's part of our legacy. It's part of what God desires to do. Amen. Well, hey, let me pray this morning over you. I know we're about to eat some food together. I would encourage you to stick around if you can. We've got some things for the kids to enjoy and hang out and play and do those kinds of things. But I want to pray over you this morning. Father, I just thank you right now for every person that's in this room and those joining us online today. Father, I thank you for your blessing and your provision. Father, your kindness and your graciousness towards us. Father, you've poured so many blessings into our life. Spiritually, yes, but even naturally and and, in so many areas of our life. Father, we thank you for all of your goodness. Father, you are so faithful and you're so loving and you're so kind. So, Father, I thank you. Father, that you speak to our hearts right now. Father, that we hear your voice. We recognize it. Father, we're attentive to to you speaking to us and to your wisdom to us. Father, I thank you for those who are struggling in their mind right now. Father, I thank you that you allow this word to settle in them. Father, that the revelation would come alive, not in their mind, but in their heart. Father, that we would move beyond just the head knowledge of Scripture, but Father, truly into a revelation, understanding, and knowledge of what you're speaking to us this morning. Father, I thank you that even as we continue to walk out a legacy of generosity in our life, Father, I thank you. Father, that you know every seed that we ever sow. Father, that every seed that we sow, no matter the amount, it honors you and it glorifies you. So, Father, I thank you for your blessing in our life. Father, I thank you as we continue taking steps of faith forward. Father, I thank you that your blessings continue to flow to us so they can flow through us. 
Father, I thank you if there's areas of our life or, or things that have too much of a hold in our soul, Father, I thank you that you're revealing them. Father, that we can remove these things out of our life, that they would not be in competition with you, but that, Father, that you alone are first in our life. That, Father, we wouldn't be pursuing things or status or, or, or any of those types of things. But, Father, that our ultimate security would be in you. So, Father, I thank you for your provision. I thank you, Father, there's needs in this room right now. That, Father, that some people can't even hear what I'm saying because of the needs that they're facing. Father, I thank you that you're the faithful one. Father, you knew our need before we do, before we knew it. And, Father, I thank you in your, your grace and your mercy, Father, you're helping to provide everything that we have need of today. Father, there's no reason to be stressed, no need to worry. Father, you take care of the birds of the air, so why should we worry? Father, we don't pursue things the way that the world does. Because we have you who's our provider. So, Father, we thank you for for who you are. Father, for all that you do in our lives. We honor you today. You know, you may be here this morning and, and you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord. You may be online watching, you may be months from now. But this whole thing starts with a relationship. You gotta have a relationship with God, and many people try to, to get the blessings of God without the relationship, and you'll get all the stuff and realize that there's no purpose to it. But if you're here and, and you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. You may be here watching online. And your relationship has just grown cold just through circumstances, time, whatever. It's just not where it needs to be. And you, you sense that calling in your heart like, man, i got to come back to the Lord. I want to lead you in just a brief prayer. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, I can't help you with the believing part. you got to do that. that. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, I can't, make, I can't say it for you. you got to say it. I can help you. I can lead you in the prayer. But you got to believe and you got to speak. The Bible says that you will be saved. That your sins are forgiven, that you've been brought into newness of life, that you've a a, a new creation in Christ. Would everyone just pray this with me this morning? And if this is you, just apply, if those, what I just said, apply to you. Hook up your faith with it, like you believe it. Like you're not just reciting a prayer, but you, you put your faith and say, Jesus, I'm trusting in you. Would everyone just pray with me this morning and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. For Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. That he paid the price of my sins. So that I could be free. So Jesus. I surrender my heart to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I thank you. That you lead me. That you guide me. In your truth. Because it's your truth that will transform me into who you created me to be. I thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Hey, just as a sign of support for those who are making decisions for Christ, would you put your hands together with me this morning?